All right, today we are going to, here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to lean in in your expectation, your faith expectation, because I believe that God is going to meet you at the level of expectation. Because it doesn't matter, how many of you guys know that it doesn't matter how many good things God puts out, we have to have receptors to receive them and apply them to our life. So I just encourage you guys to lean into that. Uh, Let's pray and then we'll get going. God, we thank you for your presence that we've already felt today. We thank you for your power, and we know that no matter what we're going through, that you can, your presence can be felt and your power can, can interrupt anything that's happening. And so right now, I just pray right now that there'd be some divine interruptions in our life. That, Lord, you'd arrest our hearts and that you would challenge us in ways that, that, that ha- happen in the deep places of us and not just the surface. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I've, I've been on vacation. A lot of people asked, you know, are, are you rested? No, I'm not rested. Because how many of you guys know if you have kids, you don't rest on vacation, do you? You just don't rest on vacation. You go on vacation, you come back. I'm rejuvenated. I'm not rested. Uh, but while we were on vacation, we, were, we went to uh, the Grand Tetons and to Yellowstone. And uh, I love, if I, again, how many of you guys are beach people? All right, how many of you guys are mountain people? All right, yeah, you guys can stay. The rest of y'all, I don't know who you are. I don't know what's going on with you guys. I'm not a beach person. I like it. It's fine. A day or two and I'm done. And then if I see a mountain, it's like I've got to climb the mountain, right? And so, so we were out there, and there, there was this uh, particular hike that we wanted to do, and it was like an eight-mile hike around the lake. And it was huge, right up against, right up on the edge of the Grand Teton Mountain. So just get this in your mind, right? And so we made it almost halfway around the lake, okay? It's a, it, there's no, like, it's no, you, once you're there, you're there. You can't go back except for just going around. And once we got about halfway around, all of a sudden we saw a baby moose right on the trail. Yeah, I couldn't have planned that better. They did the same thing last night, and it was awesome. And we saw a baby moose. And how many of you guys know where there's a baby moose? There's a... That's right. And we found that out very quickly. And there we are trapped. on the, We can't go any further. We can't turn back because we've already come over halfway. We're not coming back. So we're there, and we're trapped. And then we see people on the other side, and they can't come through either. And so we're watching this for a while, and then pretty soon the mama moose starts to get a little uncomfortable with our presence and starts moving towards us. And so we start moving back. It moves towards us. We start moving back. We're trapped there. We're just stuck. There's no, it's a stalemate, okay? We're stuck. Finally, some people start wandering off the trail into the wilderness to get around this uh, mama moose. Finally, we're stuck there so long enough. How many of you guys are just the type of people that you're like impatient, right? And so I finally got impatient. I'm like, all right, we're just going to go into the wilderness. And so we took off the trail, went through this thick brush, made it to where now you can't even see where the trail is. How many of you guys know that rescue helicopters were made for people like me, right? (laughs) And so we finally, we made it back on the trail. Didn't get, we almost got charged by the mama moose. But but I, I just remember that as I was preparing yesterday, I just remember that feeling of we were just like, what do we do? I mean, there's no good option here, right? There's no good option. We just felt stuck. And I felt like that that kind of captured what some people are feeling like. How many of you guys have ever felt like that you, you've got a path and it seems like you're on the right path and then all of a sudden there's a spiritual mama moose right in the way, right? And you're, there's nothing you can do, right? What do you do? And so I want to deal with that today. We're in our series called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And I want to address this idea of this tension when you're in the in-between. 
When you know there's a what's next, but you're in the in-between. You just feel stuck. Has anybody ever felt like you're there before, right? You're just, you know there's a what's next, but there's this tension between the in-between. And we find that in our story of the Good Samaritan. And this lawyer guy is kind of questioning Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, Behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What's written in the law? He said, how do you read it? And he answered, he said, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? Now, he's living in between the tension of the old covenant and the new covenant and trying to reconcile How does all this come together? He's kind of in the in-between. He's trying to find the technicalities of how this is all going to work when Jesus is on the scene. And what does Jesus do about this? So he's kind of in the in-between in his own way. And he's trying to figure out how does this play out. Now, again, a few weeks ago, I talked about how our neighbor applies to different areas of our life. It applies to our friendships. And how you guys know it would be easy to be friends with people if everybody was normal, right? How many of you guys know... Everybody's not normal, right? And and so this guy's trying to figure out who technically qualifies as a neighbor that I should love. And then two weeks ago or two weekends ago, I talked about how neighbors actually apply even closer to home, to our family. And and today what I want to do is I want to try to, to work this out in how it concerns our future. Because whenever we think about going from the in-between to what's next, do you realize that loving our neighbor, this whole idea of people, has to be in the equation? And how do we work through that tension? Because some of us are feeling like we're in the in-between and waiting for the next step. And again, how many of you guys would just be honest right now and just say you feel like you're in the in-between? You feel like you're stuck on it. You, you, don't, you don't know how to move forward sometimes. And so here we are in the in-between of going from one season of the spring season into the summer season. And the summer season can sometimes feel like a holding tank for what the fall is going to be. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You're just kind of the in-between. What I want to challenge you to do is what if we as a church, what if we as our families, we, we took this season and we didn't just put it on autopilot this, season, this summer season. But what if we believe God, and I believe this is a right now word for somebody, what if we believed God that there would be a supernatural advancement that would happen in our life in this next season? That there wouldn't just be a holding tank season, but it would be a supernatural, a time of supernatural advancement in our life. And so as we deal with this, I want to deal with a couple of temptations that happen when you're in the in-between season, Okay couple of temptations real quick before we move into it. And the first temptation when you're in the in-between season is this. To actually believe that there is an in-between. Because with God, it's all part of the journey. Sometimes we get stuck in this mindset that there's this in-between that doesn't really count for good. We get stuck in this mindset that the in-between is a waiting period for what's really going to happen in our life. That the in-between is almost like timeout or punishment or a holding tank. But with God, how do you guys know the valleys are part of the process? The mountains are part of the process. The plateaus are part of the process. It's all part of the journey with God. 
And some of the most significant seasons in my life started off feeling like the in-between, feeling insignificant. And yet when I look back on them, they were some of the biggest turning points in my life. And so we've got to resist this temptation that the in-between is a time for us just to wait for what's next. Because the in-between is actually part of the journey. And can I tell you that impatience, when you're in this season, impatience will take out more people than anything else. Because we'll try to make something else happen. Abraham tried to make something happen, so he he created an Ishmael, right? And so the in-between impatient feeling is what takes a lot of people out. But it feels real, so I want to call it that. I'm going to label it that because it feels real. But I just want to get you on the right page that the in-between does count with God. The in-between is part of God's plan. The in-between is moving you forward, even if it does not feel like it. So let's deal with it. The second temptation when you're in this season that we'll call the in-between is to embrace the familiar at the expense of the future. So there's this temptation that we come to that finally we've sat in the in-between for so long that we begin to lose sight of what God is pulling us towards. We begin to have our head down so far that all we can see is just what's right in front of us. You see, but how many of you guys know that God is always, if you want to follow Jesus, you're on the move. Because Jesus is walking someplace. Jesus is moving someplace. But there is this temptation to embrace the familiar. And to illustrate this, I'm going to do something that you never want to have happen to you when you go over to someone else's house. So when you go over to someone's house, the last thing you really want them to do is to pull out old home movies of their birthdays and their vacations and all that and to sit through all of that. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? All right. So because you can't do anything about it and you're already seated, I'm going to do that to you. So let's watch. What do you think, Rachel? Hmm? What do you think? That's nice. Yeah, it's cool. What do you think, Lindsay? <laughs> <laughs> he thinks it's funny. <laughs> he thinks it's funny. That's funny, too. <laughs> Are you sad? No. Lindsay, are you happy? What did you see this morning? Outside. What was it? You said, hey guys, look. A milk. A milk? You mean an elk. Not a moose and an elk. It was an elk, right? Elk. Yeah, it was pretty big, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It was huge. Like, it was what tall it was. Oh, like this tall. Yeah, it was that tall. <coughs> he had big old horns and antlers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Where was he, Lindsay? He's outside right there. He's right inside the glass. Yeah. That's crazy, wasn't it? Did you ride him? No. Why not? Because you said that's to look at him. Oh, right. Yeah, you just got to look at him. 
Because if you tried to ride him, what would happen? Fall. You'd fall off? What would happen? I don't know. Be crazy, wouldn't it? Dad, yeah. Can you tell me what would happen? You would, yeah. Get that off your neck. What? You would uh, probably get thrown off and trampled to the ground. <laughs> or then the map and dump and fall in Yeah. <clears throat> So uh, I showed you that because, because I wanted to. Um, but how many of you guys would ever, uh, if you're like me, there's a time, sometimes I'm tempted that if I had the power to, I would freeze my kids at a certain age. How you guys know what I'm talking about? Like if you could go back and you could pick, you forget, somehow like years later you forget about all the other stuff. But, but you like, if I could freeze them at a certain age, but you know, if I actually had the power to do that, here's what would happen. I would lose my ability to speak into their future. And some of us are so tied to the familiar or to the past way, to the way that God maybe used us in the past or the way we think about how God works in our life, that what happens is We've lost our ability to see or discern or to speak prophetically into our future. Because we're so fixed on the familiar. We're so fixed on that. And so what I want to do is I want us to break out of that. And so I'm going to use a word that, that we sometimes throw around and it's our calling. How many of you guys know what, when I'm talking about calling, sometimes we just think of people in full-time ministry as having a calling or something. No, every single person here is called by God to do something. And so I was talking with my daughter on vacation, my oldest daughter, Shaylin, and we were walking around this lake. And I said, what do you think God wants to do in your life? What do you think your calling is? And she began to throw out some different things, and she was wrestling with what that looked like. And immediately, three questions popped up in my spirit. Immediately. I didn't even think about it. It was just like, bam, it was there. And how to, how to discern what our calling is or, or what our future as we're going from the in-between to the next step. And so I just figured I'd share them with you and let us all wrestle with them together. So I'm going to give you three questions to ask as you walk into your future. Because these are things that are going to help you see into the future. That's going to help you see part of God's path as you wrestle with them with God. And as you wrestle with them in community and with your friends and family. It's going to help uh, to discern those things. And so the first question that you need to wrestle with as you're walking from the in-between into the what's next is this. What am I supposed to sacrifice? Because I guarantee you that anyone who's ever done anything for God or anything that's significant, there has come a cost to it. See, and the reason most people don't walk into their destiny is because they're unwilling to pay the cost. They're unwilling to sacrifice what God asked them to sacrifice. You see, the rich young ruler in Scripture, he walked away from Jesus because he was unwilling. Jesus talked about counting the cost. It's, it's part of it. In Luke chapter 10, verse 33, we catch up with our story that there's a man beaten on the side of the road and some, a priest and a Levite, and they've all passed by. But, verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn to take care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, which he gave to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. This man had a cost 
to be a part of this story. There's a sacrifice. And I want you to understand, the Good Samaritan, we know him as that in the story that Jesus used. He wasn't a guy in full-time ministry. In fact, the other guys were, basically. This is just a guy who's just going about his way. He's like most of us, right? But yet he had a calling that also had a cost. Now, I'm going to share uh, just a story that I got a testimony. We, you know, many of you guys know we're in this Stand in the Gap uh, campaign. We're raising money for a building and stuff. And, and so I get these stories from time to time where people are being led by God in different areas. So I'm just going to read you this testimony. I hope it inspires somebody. A few weeks ago, at an all-team meeting, our leadership team announced that we were getting an infusion of capital from a major player in New York. And this would require that our stock options be cashed out. We'd be getting cash directly in our pockets. How many of you guys like some of that, right? <laughs> cash directly in our pockets. Thank you, Jesus. And I hadn't even been there a year yet, so I assumed it really wouldn't apply to me. But it turns out there was a clause in my employment contract for such an event that would immediately invest all of my shares and make my company's stock eligible. I thought maybe I'd get five to $10,000. That's pretty good, right? This was all happening in the middle of the Reckless Love Sermon and the Building Fund Updates. During the middle of a sermon, I felt God lean in and say, give it all away. I've never heard God so clear in my entire life. If I, I had had my way, that money would go into retirement funds and savings and college funds, but God has other plans for it. And at this point, we weren't even sure how much it would be. And then at work, we received preliminary information, and I learned the sum would be around $10,000. And yet I knew God had told me to give it all away. So I told my husband, and he was on board as well. He was more committed than I was. I knew I had to tell him so that I couldn't back out, even though I knew it was what God wanted us to do. And then a few days later, the terms of the deal changed. And I learned that we were getting $30,000 instead. God knew that we were going to give it all away, and he decided to increase the amount. I knew we were giving this money, I know we were giving this money away, and I know that God only increased the amount to test my faith to see if I still would. Because he knows me and he knows my heart and he knows that I want to ensure financial security. And yet here he is telling me to give it away and to be at peace with it. We are so grateful and humble to be a part of this great work that God is doing at Journey Church. People's lives are being transformed, including ours. And we hope this story inspires others to do something uncomfortable in Jesus' name to further his kingdom. Come on, can we give Jesus some praise for that? That's unbelievable. I tell you, I, I've got story after story that I'll continue to share throughout the year. I've got story after story of testimony like that. And listen, it's not about a num that number. I share that number with you because that's a big number. But I know for some of you, $30 is that equivalent, okay? So I want you to be inspired. Not, it's not about, we're not praising a number, but we're, we're just celebrating that when God asks us to sacrifice and we're obedient, God's going to come through. How many of you guys know that, right? His word is true. So it's different for every person, though. This sacrifice is different for every person. For some, it may be money. For others of you, the sacrifice that God calls you to make in the in-between is not money, but years. How many of you guys would rather just give all your money away, right? It's like, I don't want to spend years. So I'll just share a story. Back when we started this church about 13 years ago, we started with no money, and just a few couples. And we didn't even live in this area. We just started actually in, in my living room in Cameron, Missouri. And then we just sold our houses and moved down here and just started to meet people. That's how the church started. We didn't advertise hardly at all. We put up a sign out in front of the place we were renting. And 
literally for several months, the worship team would get up and do worship and, and me and a couple people would just be out there. And then we would trade places and I would preach to the worship team and a couple people. It took months and months before we finally had a visitor show up that we weren't related to. And that was a moment of celebration. That was like, God is moving. Man, we got revival happening in this place, man. It was awesome. Yes, it's good. But I can tell you from day one, here's what I did. I went in day one and I said to God, I said, God, I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach today like there are a thousand people out there. And so I would get up every service and I would say, and I'd say this, I'd say, God, I'm going to preach like there are a thousand people out there. Now, listen, if you know me, I'm not about numbers or anything like that. In fact, many times we've tried to figure out how do we get people to stop coming? Uh, And so, but this was just kind of a deal that I had with God that said, I'm going to treat this as if there are a thousand people out there that need to hear the gospel. I'm not going to treat this like there's the band. I'm going to treat this like I'm preaching to a thousand people. And, and meanwhile, I had heard from church experts. you got to love church experts, right? I'd heard from church experts that a church that doesn't reach 200 people in its first year will never break 1,000, will never reach 1,000. And I'd heard that. And then four or five years passed, and we finally hit 200 people. <laughs> And yet, I continued to say, God, I'm going to preach like there are a thousand people out there. I'm going to preach like, and every, I, I, God, I'm going to preach even if nobody shows up, even if it's a, I don't care. I'm going to preach like there's a thousand people out there. This past Easter, we had a hundred, or we had a thousand and six people in attendance. We broke a thousand people for the very first time. Come on, you can celebrate that. That, that's a significant number just for our church, but I, I think it was God just saying, you know what? Sometimes the dream takes years. Sometimes it doesn't happen in the first month. Sometimes it doesn't happen in the first six months. Sometimes it doesn't happen in the first year. Sometimes it takes 13 years of faithfulness. And see, most of us quit. Most of us quit because we have a short-term mindset with God. If you look at most every story in the Bible, we turn the page and think that, and think that the next story happened, and yet many times there was 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Can we be faithful in the in-between? Or do we bail? We just move on to the next thing. Do we just manufacture something that we think looks good, I've seen people make so many mistakes by trying to push the envelope into a territory that God never called them to, but they were impatient where they were. See, there is a sacrifice. For some, it's going to be money. For others, it may be years. For some of you, it may be comfort. I don't know what it is for you. What is it for you? You see, we have to be willing to lay this down and to say, God, whatever is your will, this is, if this is my cup, then I'll drink it. And so what is it for you? The second question I want us to wrestle with is this. And this may seem counterintuitive and at tension with this. What am I supposed to enjoy? Because as you head into your future, now Nathan touched on this a little bit last week and he talked about, you know, what are we supposed to live for? And I think it's important for us to wrestle with. What are we seeking? 
And he talked about how relationship with God is the most important thing. And how many of you guys know that scripture that, that uh, you know, if you seek first the kingdom of God, right? How many of you guys know that? Seek first the kingdom of God. Then what? And all these things will be added. What things? Well, of course, he talks about, you know, provision and different things like that. But I'm going to suggest that some of the things that are added when we put God first are godly desires. When you seek God, he places desires in your heart. He places godly desires in your heart. See, there's this temptation to think that if I'm going to follow God into my calling, that it's mostly going to be hard and miserable. That I have to move somewhere uncomfortable, that I have to go and do something crazy. That and we have this temptation that, that it's like, if we want to truly follow God, that we have to let go of all of our desires and, and, only, and lay everything we want to do down because it's going to be bad. Now, we wouldn't say it that way, but there's some part of us that thinks that that's a godly way to go. But do you realize that God may be calling us to enjoy certain things, and it may be a clue to where he's placed us and where he wants to place us? What if, what if some of our desires are not to be thrown away, but what if some of our desires are actually essential to lead us to the place that God has to us, to lead us from the place of the in-between to the next step. Now, we're in our Won't You Be My Neighbor series, and so I think it's appropriate for us to use this illustration to kind of help paint the picture of what this looks like. And so uh, just go ahead and watch this and enjoy this next clip. Charlie? You know, King Friday likes to play the bass violin. Why don't we just pretend that he and Handyman Negri are doing something together at the castle right now in the neighborhood of make-believe? We'll just pretend that. Very well, King Friday. Well, I learned my music at the Kingly School. Uh, where did you learn yours, Handyman? Well, sir, King Friday, I oh. have a message for you. Oh, Friday. messages can wait, Miss Polificate, but your tap dancing cannot. Oh, oh King Friday. I'm so glad you remember. Well, a king never forgets the talents of those around him, especially when he is talented himself. Oh, you're a very talented bass violin player, Your Majesty. Your taste is superb. Uh, will you do a little tap for us, Miss B? Of course. Okay. <laughs> Oh, well, your music's perfect for tap. Sometimes I play clips just to see if you guys will keep coming back. I don't know. Just to test. I just want to know. And you do. It's just amazing. <laughs> I actually got something out of that, believe it or not. 
Because I, I kind of picture that trolley as, as being like the, the dreams and the desires God places in our heart. And, and sometimes God puts dreams and desires in us that are not the thing, but they take us to the thing. And sometimes we have a temptation to dismiss the trolley that's going to take us where we need to go because we think that can't be godly because God, these are my desires. And sometimes we have the opposite spectrum where we over-worship the trolley and we think it's the end. Now, maybe your thing is tap dancing. Maybe that's where you need to go, right? But if you just sit on the trolley and that's where you're at or you don't ever get on it, you'll never get to the thing. See, God places desires in our heart. We see that in Psalm chapter 37, verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. Again, if we go after God and he will give you the desires of your heart, there's, there's two different ways to look at this. One is that God is going to give you whatever you desire. And the second is that God will actually give you the desires to desire. See, I think what happens is whenever we go after God, we get close to God, God starts to drop desires in our heart that he wants to, to get us on the trolley that starts moving us forward. But again, you have to be honest about whether you're seeking God or you're seeking your own desires. But I'm telling you, as you start to seek God, he starts to place desires in your heart that start to move you forward. And, and, and I know, I, for me, I knew a portion of my calling at an early age. I knew 12 or 13 that I was supposed to, to uh, pre, I was supposed to be a youth pastor. I was supposed to be in ministry. And that was great. That moved me forward. But not everybody's like that. Pastor Aaron, it took, I mean, I don't, years until he finally understood, walked into his calling. But along the way, you know what happened? God placed dreams in his heart that began to move him towards that. And if we think it's all about the thing, or if we just don't get on that trolley, then we may miss what God wants to do. God puts certain dreams and desires and opportunities in our life that are not necessarily the end, but they're a vehicle to take us to the place God wants us to go. For me, I led worship in youth ministry for five years. That's what I did. I didn't preach sermons. I didn't pastor people. I didn't do any of that. I led worship, and I enjoyed doing that. But you know that five years of leading worship, and I put myself all into that, that led me. It was like that trolley that took me to be in the right place at the right time for the calling that God had prepared. God's going to do that. I, I, my son, for some reason, he found an old... How many of you guys remember cassette tapes? You guys remember those things? My son found a, re, a cassette tape of when I was just a kid, and I produced, as a kid, my own radio show, okay? How do you guys know what that's like? I mean, you got like a, a tape deck over here and another one, and I had one to record, and then I had tapes of music, right, that I would play, and I had them all lined up like a playlist, right? Like, this is before Spotify, guys. Okay, so I had a whole set of cassettes, and I had them all queued, ready to go, and so I'd play the tape and record it, and then I'd do my whole DJ thing, and then I'd play the next, and here's the next song, you know? And, and for whatever reason, he was... He found that and he started playing that. And, and I remember, it was a few weeks ago, we were setting up and we were recording the Journey Insider podcast. We had all these professional mics and stuff and recording this, this podcast. And I had that thought. I was like, I'm kind of like a radio DJ right now. This is, this is awesome. I'm actually fulfilling the dream, you know? And this is, I'm living it, you know? And uh, how many of you guys, let me just ask you, how many of you guys hate hearing your voice through a microphone? Yeah, most people do that. 
I don't hate it at all. I don't mind it at all. I really don't. And I think, you know, I'm serious, I think that God started to place little dreams in my heart that carried me along the way to walk into my calling. This is what God does. What are you to enjoy? And God may have done this for you as well. God may have put some of these things in your heart. One of my favorite rabbinic sayings, it's probably because it's the only one I know. <laughs> it's my favorite. And it's this. God will one day hold us accountable for all the things he created for us to enjoy, but we've refused to do so. I thought, man, there's a lot of power to that. Because again, so many times we think that if we're going to be serving God, it's all got to be all on all the time and that enjoyment wouldn't be part of that process. And yet, as you look throughout, I mean, just think about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is made for man. It's made God made certain things for us to enjoy. And if we think it's all or nothing, we're missing part. I mean, God said when he created things, what did he say? It's good. And part of the good is what brings you to your destiny. What brings you there? All right, last question is this, and we'll wrap up. Who am I supposed to influence? This is a question that we wrestle with. Our future is not about accomplishments. It's not about accolades. It's not about achievements. It's not about awards. It's not about accomplishing certain missions. It's not about any of that. That's not what the future is about. When you are wrestling with this in the context of a godly context, here's what it's going to look like. And I've said this many times before, but when you're looking at your future, here's what you've got to understand. There are people on the other side of your obedience. It's not about awards. It's not about accomplishments. It's not about looking back and seeing how much you did for God. It's not, about, it's not about the check marks, no. It's about the people on the other side. So we, we see that in Acts chapter 16. We see the apostles, they're trying to wrestle with where they're supposed to go and preach the gospel. How many of you guys know they had a task, and it was to preach the gospel, right? How many of you guys think it'd probably be a good idea to preach the gospel everywhere, anytime, right? And yet, we see them wrestling with the specifics of how to do this. So they tried to go to Asia, but they, they couldn't. They tried to go to Mysia, they couldn't. But they, they tried to go all these different places. And then in verse 9, we catch up to it. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now again, let's think about this. Shouldn't the gospel have been preached everywhere? And yet, God had a specific who for the Apostle Paul. See, the what was the same, but we have to follow the voice of God to the right who. And when we assume the who, we may miss God. You see, this lawyer in the story assumed the who that he was to minister to, and he assumed it would be people he liked. He assumed it would be compatible with what he wanted. When we assume the who, we may be missing God. See, even though there were all these opportunities, he assumed the who, and he almost missed it, and he may have missed it for all we know. My, my father-in-law, Richard, he, he has a gift of teaching. And how many of you guys know that a gift of teaching can be applied in many different areas? He had the what, but he had to discern the who. For a while, he was a high school teacher. 
For a while, he pastored a church for several years and taught, used his teaching gift. Then for a while, he's a professor at a college, and, and many of you guys have benefited from his teaching here. See, the, the what was consistent. God had placed that as a thread, but he had to discern the who. So after I was a youth pastor for, for five years, I'm going to have the worship team come back up at this time. I, I was a, worship, a, a youth pastor for five years and then stopped, went into a season of starting my own business and being a part of uh, the family business and construction and stuff as well. And I was in this two-year season where I was like, God, what am I supposed to be doing? What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And so I remember one day I was out there working on the job site and God God impressed on me to pick up a two-by-four. So, okay, pick up a two-by-four, took out my carpenter pencil. I'm ready to be a scribe and write down whatever you're going to say, God. He's like, here's your purpose right now in this season. And I was like, okay. And the purpose was this, to lead teams of people to accomplish spiritual goals. I'm like writing that down. Like what in the world? That doesn't sound like anything specific. To lead teams of people to accomplish spiritual goals. So I'm like, okay, well, God, that could be done in many different ways. What? So I began to seek God. And so I I began to, I gathered some people together. And I said, all right, well, I can lead teams of people to accomplish spiritual goals. And I heard that there was a need at the Watkins Mill Boys Home for a service. And so I gathered some people together and said, let's go do a service. Let's go serve people, feed people, preach the gospel, whatever. I don't have a position or a title or any, I just want to try to figure out who the who is. And so we went and we did that and I was like, God, that didn't even really sound that spiritual, but he was just simply showing me that even when it doesn't look like it's obvious, if you can just sit there in the presence of God and begin to discern who is the who, who am I supposed to influence right now in this season, that God would lead you. And I know that some of us are in this pain. And come on, can we just be honest? If you're in the in-between, it feels frustrating, right? It feels frustrating. And the reason why I want us to look towards the future, even if it may take years to get there. Now, again, we need to live present, but keep our eye on what God is doing, and what he's pulling us towards it. It's because this, this quote that I saw from Chris Valentin, it says this, vision gives pain a purpose. People without vision wander aimlessly down the path with the least pain. On the contrary, people with vision are able to endure the pain because they can see the reward lying ahead and they know it will be worth their sacrifice. That's why God is a vision God. He's always pulling us forward. He's always causing us to lift up our eyes to see who's right in front of us, but then who's on the other side of our obedience as well. To see the man from Macedonia calling us. That gives the pain a purpose. That gives the journey a purpose. And as we wrap up, I want to just read you one last scripture, and it just is a great example of Jesus and his vision for us. And even though facing the pain, he understood the vision outweighed the pain. It says in verse Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight. Now, some of us today, we need to lay aside some weights. We need to let down some things we've held on to that we're unwilling to sacrifice. 
which, and, and sin that clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. God has a race for you. The in-between is part of it, by the way. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, now watch this, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That even through the pain had a vision for you, had a vision for me. Willing to lay his life down on the cross, rose from the dead, took our place for the joy set before him. We bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. I saw this last night as we were in worship and I felt like it was for this morning. And I don't know who it's for, but I felt, I, here's what I just saw in the spirit. I just saw during this last song that some people just came down to the altar and it was essentially just laying something down. And if that's you, I'm gonna, during this last song, I'm gonna invite you to do that and just have a moment with Jesus. Sometimes, sometimes it takes just a faith step and sometimes that's a literal step. We just get our feet moving. Sometimes it's those subtle things that seem insignificant that, that move us from the in-between into the what's next or helps us to receive something in a different way. So I'm gonna invite you to do that if that's you during this last song. But I wanna pray for all of us right now. God, I thank you so much that you had a vision for each one of us. And even through the pain, you saw the joy. God, help us in this place and wherever we find ourselves, that even in the pain, help us to look up and lift up our eyes, looking to you, the author, the finisher of our faith, to see the joy that is set before us and the people on the other side of our obedience. In Jesus' name.